enough. Ruthie's Bible study, she's been going over it for months, trying to make sure it's online, but it's just not enough to have all that correct and online. God the Holy Ghost must be invited back into the church of God who moves with the power, who makes my words have clout and grab you by the collar. Not just words. This is supposed to be a supernatural place. And God the Holy Ghost makes it supernatural. And I know that the day and age that we're in, some of you, it makes you uncomfortable. Some of you are not sure about it. Some of you are all for it. Some of you are like, eh. Just look it up in the Word of God. You take care of the Word. It'll take care of you. Now listen again. Acts 4.29. Remember, gave you this about a week or so ago. The last words before the Lord left. And he says, and now, or, or I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's the scripture it says, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Do you hear threatenings from our nation, from our government, from the world? Do you sense it? Do you feel it? Do you hear it like you never did before? Some of us are like, it's like, I don't understand. I don't even believe that this is happening. When we were declared non-essential, I, as an American, thought, it's in the Constitution. What are they going to do? They ignored the Constitution completely. Do you remember that? And when they did that, as a pastor back then, I went, uh-oh. Behold their threatenings. And this is where we are. There is an Antichrist spirit running rampant. It's strong and powerful in our nation. And so God tells us in Acts, Chapter 4, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And that's what I'm telling the Lord. Lord, behold their threatenings. It says, and grant unto thy servants, the church, grant unto us, the everyday Joes, the nobodies, grant unto us, Lord. Behold, I hear their threatenings. What are we going to do but their threatenings? And so we turn to the Lord. And he says that with all boldness that we may speak thy word. We have to speak your word, God. Verse 30 tells us how. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by thy name. By bringing the power of God back into the house of God. That's our only hope. It truly is. You think they care that you sing Amazing Grace just perfect and on pitch? But if the power of God is displayed, what are they going to do? They're not going to be able to deny it even though they might not live it or believe it. And so God is giving us this pathway to power, but you have to be willing to walk it. Many aren't. Man, listen to this. True, listen. If just one of you do, you could rock the world. Just one who would truly get this and dive in like nothing else matters. You could rock this nation for God, not for you. So now, Luke 24, 49 says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, every one of you, Right now, if you love the Lord and you're trying to serve God, this scripture's for you. I send the promise of my Father upon you, and you are called to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued or clothed, until you put on power from heaven. 
This is not an option. When you go buy a car, the engine, the motor, the power plant, it's not an option. You've got to have it. Or this car and all its luxury would be silly. No comfort. The air wouldn't work. The electric seats wouldn't work. The, not, there's no power plant. So God says, no problem. I'm going back, but I'm going to send you the power plant. Wait for it. So the disciples could not do the work Jesus called them to do unless they were endued with power from on high. And this power would come from the giving and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. That's why Acts is in there. Acts 2.17 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days. And I would have to think every one of you that any amount of Bible knowledge knows or believes or would testify, this is the last days. Some of you might even say, I don't know, but this might be the last of the last of the last days. And so here's the scripture telling us, when it comes to pass in these days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, all of us. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. All of us are called into this army. And God says when I am pouring out, it means he will distribute largely the Spirit of God. God. John 14, 7 tells us a little more. Even the Spirit of truth He's the spirit of truth. Truth. Many men take this and twist it and move it around and say what they want. Cut out, paste, pull. God says, I will give you the spirit of truth. So you can maneuver around all the fakes. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Listen, but you know him. And now it's talking about us. It says, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Almighty God is in us. God's in you. Oh, how did we get buffaloed from that one? Who has dummied down that that we're not even stirred to think, God is in me? Did I just read it? Am I twisting it? Am I faking it, faking you out? But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And the world's like, what? We don't know. What are you talking about? They don't, they don't understand it. The Holy Ghost is the church's secret weapon. God's in you. You need to stand in front of a mirror and scream that. God's in me. God's in God. God's in me. See what I mean about the big picture? Picture and Goliath? That's you. And I feel like the little four-foot guy. But we're going to take our cuts today. John 6.63 says this, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. Man, well, last I knew, 
We were doing National Day of Prayer. I think we sent out 101 letters, 101 letters to churches, 101 churches. And this city ought to be walking on water if you had 101 churches. Why aren't we? Bible simply says it's the spirit that quickeneth. It's the spirit that makes alive. It's the spirit that gives life. A lot of times when those babies are born, there's no sound. Before uh, you were allowed in, I wasn't with my daughter. I'd be like, trying to listen for the sound. Just give me that sound. Because when the sound comes in, <gasps> life. All this without the Spirit of God does not produce life. Might produce good music. Might produce a nice golf discourse. But it doesn't produce life. It's the spirit that quickeneth. The spirit that gives life. The flesh profit nothing. Now the words I'm speaking to you, Bible says they are spirit and they are life. You have to believe it. You have God in you. Second Corinthians 3, 6 says this, Who also hath made us, every one of you, able ministers. You're not just supposed to be breathing God's free air and doing what, who knows what. God says, you are my able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Look what it says in those next words. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. You could be singing that song perfect with the perfect musicians and the perfect voice. King of glory. Nothing happened. We could have the greatest orchestra and the greatest choir invited to have them in, come in, and they just sing. Blah, 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 blah. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that gets behind that, takes it and produces life, causes you to leap to your feet and say, Oh, King of glory, the Spirit of God. You must have it. Or you have religion. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The Spirit of God is what gives life. The Spirit of God is what will grab your 16-year-old or your 13-year-old. Just, it's the Spirit of God that will make things alive. Or us 59-year-old men or our 72-year-old. It's the Spirit of God that will grab that person and produce life inside of him or her. But here's our problem. Remember, every once in a while I would tell you, my dream car is that black Corvette. I, I walked, which way is Denny's? I walked through the car show Friday. Anybody go through the car show Friday? There's some cool cars out there. And I've always told you, I've always wanted that, I think it's a 63 black Corvette with that split window, all that power, and that car just shaking, and you're behind the wheel, and you're just, oh, this would be absolutely awesome. But I'll never have one. And you know why, right? You remember what I told you? I don't want to pay that price. Oh, I love the car. Ooh, I want one. Ooh, I'll drool over it. 
I'll look inside and oh my gosh. And he'll go, yeah, I think it's $120,000. I ain't paying that. They're out there. I can, we could go find one right now. You can get online, find one right now for me. I'll find one for you, Pastor. They're out there. That's not the problem. I can find one. And I want one. But I'll never own one. Because I don't want it enough. I don't want to put out for it. And that's where we are with the Holy Ghost. It's where we are. I don't want to put out. And we've got to get past that. Everything that I'm going to tell you comes by praying and crying out to God. It's just not going to happen. It comes by praying and beseeching and going after God. Amen. It does. It does. And, and again, I'm going to remind you again, that's what we try to do on Wednesday now. We're initially saying, come on, corporately come together and cry out. We're going to cry out. We're not, tell, I'm not telling God how to do it, when to do it, which way to do it. Just do it. Just do it, God. James 2.26, for as the body without the spirit is what? Dead. Now, we've all been to funerals, most of us. You've gone by the body, and without the spirit, it's dead. It's absolutely dead, and we can relate that to the church. We have buildings, we have steeples, we have programs, we have Sunday schools, we have choirs, we have VBS. Without the Spirit of God, Joel 2.28 says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, every one of you that will go for it. Every one. But I'm 70. It doesn't matter. Right. Nothing matters when it comes to God. Micah says this, but truly I am full of power. How, Micah? By the Spirit of the Lord. Not because I'm awesome. I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. And we have neglected it badly, horribly, for some unknown reason. We've been buffooned, tricked. Everyone that you love God, this has happened to you, but it's just sitting there, unused. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It doesn't say maybe, kind of, should have, oops, what happened, where is. It says you shall, you shall, you shall, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. Power to live right, power to be moral, power not to lie, power to be a good worker, power to be a good neighbor, power to be full of the Spirit of God for God. You have God in you. What do you think? You have God. Not a blue light special, not a Walmart brand. You have God in you. You do. You shall receive power. Given you this before. Definition of power is inherent power. It's inherent. It's in here. You haven't tapped into it. You might not believe you have it. You don't know you have it. You're afraid that you have it. I see it, but I'm not using it, have it. But the Bible says it's in here. Inherent 
power. It comes with God. It comes with the Spirit of God. It comes when God, the Holy Ghost, comes in you. Inherent power. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. The Holy Ghost is power. He doesn't leave his power out and comes in. He is power. And, and you have that in you. You have God in you. John 14, 7 says, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Again, I know I just read this. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. How can we neglect this gift, this unbelievable gift? Man, if I did have the money and I did could buy that car and give it to Chad, and he's like, yeah, great night. And I go, by a year and a half, it's never moved. It's dirt all over, dust. He don't care about it. He doesn't consider it valuable. What do you think I would think? Jeez. I must not like it. Want it. I mean, I paid big money for that. To God, the Holy Ghost, before he's to depart and go to the right hand of the Father, he tells you what you need. I'm going to put God in. I've been with you, we've talked, we ate together, broke fish together, but I'm going to put God in you. How can we neglect it? And the other answer is, why? Why would we neglect this? Acts 4.33, how about this one? And with great power gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Man, we need this great power. The world is lost. You can see in some people's faces and look in their eyes. It looks empty. There's nothing there. You need great power when you deal with someone like that, when you talk with someone like that. You've got to have something that's beyond you for the glory of God. That's why Peter, remember, the beggars said, look at us. And that power of God was transformed from them, just people like you and I, into that man. Up, he jumped and leaped and walked. 38 years he was there. You've got to have something rather than a little flyer. Or a quartet coming Sunday to sing. That's what this church has got to have. You have to have it because the enemy is there passing out their rifles and their ammo and they're locked and loaded. We are to be carriers of the power of God. You are. I am. You have God in you. You have all the power in you. Godhead bodily in you. Called to be a Levite. To live holy. Remember? Run the long wood through the, the rings on the, uh, what, what am I thinking of? The ark. Thank you. And the Levites went under it and picked up the glory of God. Carriers of the glory. 
And they said, okay, let's march. And so they carried. Ready? Let's go. They're carrying the glory of God. That's what you are. That's what you're called to be. Somehow we've shuffled that thing way down the bottom of the deck. It should be the top. The first. Shuffled it so far down we don't even recognize it anymore. Man, God can do anything he wants. This church should be a power plant. We can have our little fun times, but it ought to be a power plant. Where you come down here and you throw up those extensions to God and you plug into his glory and power. How about this one, Acts 19 11. Do you think this went out? Baby in the bathwater, we throw this one out. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So I know what we do now. We just say, that was Paul. Well, was Paul a guy? And if they wore pants by then, do you think he went like this to put them on? Or did he go, and there they were? Was he just a dude? What did he do more than us, the Bible says? Prayed in the Holy Ghost more than ye all. I pray in tongues more than ye all. That's what he says. We, we can't dismiss that. We've got to say, oh my gosh. I'll bet you that's a key. That Paul's telling us something here. Yeah, but I've been taught. I know what you've been taught. I've heard them. First time I ever heard of speaking tongues was to my wife in our bedroom and no one told me anything and I thought you were right. That is of the devil. But my wife's face was shining in glory and in love with God, raising arms. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Remember, the, the axe head floats. Boom, boom. Brass, axe head floats. Trying to do work for God, you're running out of time, you're trying to take out the enemy, what did they do? Command the sun to stand still. The sun. Why in your backyard? Command the sun. That same God is in you. Not only that, they needed more time. What did he say? Back up. And more light comes, and they take out the enemy for the glory of God, not for some yard sale. This, is that a fairy tale? It's right there in the Word. Special miracles. Great power. So that from his body, Paul's, were brought unto them sick, uh, unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons that was on his body for whatever reason, and diseases departed from, and evil spirits went out from them. Because these people believed in the power of God. And the first generation used to believe in the power of God. And then the next generation, maybe that's us, we're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say no, yeah. And then the next generation after us is going, I don't know, I don't think so. And then grandsons after them are going, huh? 
what? That's crazy. That's where we are. That's where we are. One Corinthians one twenty seven says, "But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The media, the government, the banking system, the education. God's chosen us to make Him look so awesome. It's going to confound them. However, He does it." God loves displaying his power through his people for his glory. Now we know the foolishness that goes on, the silliness that goes on, the, the self-indulging, the promoting of self all goes on at the sake of God, like hucksters selling God. Well, I'm not talking about any of that. And it's true, and it's out there, and it's sickening. It makes me want to vomit. But there's still truth out there and we got to find it you and I got to go for it how about this one 1 Corinthians 2 Paul says and I remember Corinthians had all kind of spiritual gifts and they were all a mess too they were a mess church and I brethren when I came to you came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God I didn't make sure all my T's were crossed, I's dotted, punctuations, commas, periods, speak right, this is how you say it. I try, but Paul said, that's not, that's not it. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What He did for you, that's all I know. Who touched you? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see all you need to know. And I was with you in weakness, amen, and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom and all his degrees and divinity and this and doctorates of that, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's what Paul came in. It's demonstration of the pure power of God on display in a man who was so far off, was killing preachers, Stephen and others, legally, by law. Paul said, this is how I came, whom I. So if you read verse 4 again, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You might ask why. Well, verse 5 then says, that your faith should not stand in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Listen to me. I have all my number two black pencils sharpened and ready to vote. I'm ready. I don't even think I'm going to go. I'm going to just jam it when I. But my hope is not in that. I am going to do my diligent duty as a Christian in America, according to the word of God. Oh, I am. But my faith is not in the wisdom of men. Oh, my gosh. 
They still haven't figured out the man and woman bathroom thing yet. They haven't. I mean, it's gotten so silly. Remember, we just put another person on the Supreme Court, and they said, give us a definition of a woman, and she is a woman, and she wouldn't do it. That's how foolish we've become without God. That's how foolish I would be without God. So Paul didn't come as a philosopher or a salesman. He didn't. He certainly didn't come as a politician. He came with the power of God to give testify, testimony to the power of God and what God can do. Maintaining doctrine purity, yes, sir, it's important. It is. But it's not the whole picture of the New Testament church. The apostles want to do more than just hold the fort until Jesus comes. Oh, we just lost another one. Hang on. No, these disciples asked God to empower them to say they could move out and impact the entire culture. That's what we should be doing. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it in your education. You can't do it in your nice little computer and printout sheets. It's got to be done through the power of God, the Holy Ghost. It has to be. It's always been that way, and it still remains that way. And it can be. John 14, 12 says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, you do. Listen, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me I'll do greater works than Jesus. No, I'm just telling you what he told me to tell you. Is that what he said? Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, new hope, he that believeth on me, you believe on him? Okay. So you have read and you've seen the works that he does. And he says, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. I've done. I've done my earthly tour. This is it. I've made a way for salvation for you to receive Christ's forgiveness of sins. I'm going back now. And I'm sending the one that's going to be able to make you do greater works than me. Verse 13 says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will, be, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, in the name of Jesus. Lord, give us that power. As we cry out to God. Listen, he did not expect the disciples to disband after his departure. Up he went, stay here, Terry, get full apart. Up he goes, and we say, well, that was a good run. See you later. That was kind of fun for a while. They weren't to disband and go back to doing whatever. They were to take over, pick up the baton and say, okay. We want to say, ah, that was for just the beginning of the church age. Because we don't want the responsibility of picking up the baton. He didn't expect the disciples to disband and depart, but to carry on the work. To absolutely carry on this work. And I know that the, this promise of you'll do greater works seems, it's almost like, how could you say that? How could you truly even say that? It seems so impossible. Yet after Peter's first sermon, after Christ left and he was filled with the Spirit of God, more people came saved from one sermon the entire years of Christ's ministry. 
That sound greater? Uh, yeah. Through the sailor, Peter, whose every other word was blankety, blank, blank, blank. I don't know. I don't know him. God fills him with the Spirit of God. Preaches his first sermon. More people come to Christ than all of Jesus' ministry. You shall do greater works. You have God in you. God's in you. The enemy has some of you so beaten down, face smashed in the mud and dirt and filth of this world of depression and discussion. It doesn't even move you when I say you have God in you. Unmoved. The enemy's good at what he does. We are to be carriers of the power and the glory and the love of God. Wherever you're carriers, wherever you're going, I don't care where it is, got to go to the doctor's office, carry it. Get filled with the Spirit of God, sit in that office and wait for that doctor to walk in. See what happens to him. Who knows? He might be afraid to touch you. It's serious. Who knows what God will do? All right. Now hold on, your seatbelt, tighten it. How do you get these great qualities to work in your life? When we pray in tongues, when we pray in the spirit, you are a spirit person, okay? There's a spirit language that comes with the spirit of God. We call it tongues. When you pray in tongues, mysteries, it's a mystery, is it not? The Bible tells us it is. They're being revealed to our spirit man. When I'm in my office thinking I'm going to preach this to you in my natural English, I'm going, oh, Lord Jesus. And I throw that out and shift into the spirit of God. Next thing I know, it's the truth. I'm on my desk going, the spirit of God. Wake it up inside of you. It's in there. You cannot come to me and say to me, oh, I know you say, that's a lie. You've been lied to so bad. It's in you. I'm giving you all the scriptures on the screen. So when we pray in tongues, mysteries are being revealed to our spirit man. The apostle John declared the Holy Spirit would show us things to come. We need to know this because things are coming. Also means to bring all things to our remembrance. Lord, where was that? He'll bring it to your remembrance. As you spend time and you saturate. That's what he does. You can see it in John. So the apostles prayed for God to do supernatural things. Remember? Oh God, stretch out your hand. This church needs to have that. Do you know the Spirit of God is a restrainer? Restrains evil. It does. You could have evil people come in here and we wouldn't know it. We try to do our best with guards and all this kind of stuff. It's the Spirit of God that can restrain them from doing what they intended to do evil. But because you're a praying person, or this is a Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-Spirit-filled church, 
They can't. They can't function. There's something greater than them. They can't do it. He's a restrainer. Because you have God in you. So the apostles prayed for God to do supernatural things. Have you? Some of you used to, even as I look around. I remember you. But we fumbled the ball. Sometimes, you ever see football players? Sometimes you fumble the ball. Fourteen of them will jump on it. It squirts over there. And another one will get it. He kicks it and it goes that way. We just can't seem to get it. How about this one? Corinthians 14, 1, first few words says, follow after charity, which is love, and desire spiritual gifts. The world's freaking out over what's the new movie craze for the last year or two, Marvel heroes, you know, eyes that see through this and jump on them, shoot spider webs out of their hands and do... God says, I, I got greater gifts than that for you. And these are real. These aren't cartoonish, computer-generated films. It could be you. It could be you. Desire these. I don't know if we do. I've thought of them throughout the years. Sometimes I've gone after them throughout the years. And a lot of times I forget about them throughout the years. How can that be? John 16, 7 says this, But in fact, New Living, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate or your counselor or lawyer won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him. So here's John 16, 7, Amplify. Remember Amplify likes to stretch out those adverbs? Cool. But I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, your lawyer, your intercessor, your counselor, your strengthener, the one who stands by you will not come. Man, that sounds like someone I want and need. And all this month I've been trying to remember, Lord, you said you will stand by me. And you're thinking I'm talking about jerking people out of the wheelchair? No, I'm talking about trying to get a handle on my attitude that's losing it because everything's going wrong. Just everyday, mundane, dumb things. Dropped keys. Just dropped keys. This is after five or six things. Dropped keys, went down, walking out the door, went to pick them up, and somehow they got interlocked into the rug of the carpet, and I'm picking up, and the whole carpet comes up. You know, you want to <laughs> just constantly, listen, listen, listen. So I was in my garage then, and I was going, Spirit of God, this might sound dumb to you, but I need you right now. I am agitated. That's not what a godly person should do. You are called to stand beside me. I need you now. Bring that peace that comes so I can handle whatever situation. It's going to get a lot more agitated than keys caught on a rug. 
from what the world has planned for us. So I'm talking about every area of your life. And he says, but if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you to be close in fellowship with you. Close. I can't remember the scripture off the top of my head. It's either 2 or 1 Corinthians 9, something that talks about you should have communion with the Holy Ghost. You ever had that? That's what I was doing in my garage. Lord, my wife's in pain. She's crying in the garage, in the house. I'm about ready to kick everything that's in front of me. I need, you need to get a hold of me, please. Help me. Verse 8 says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. That's why you need to pray. You need to pray to get filled with the Spirit of God so the Spirit of God can remind you, hey, that's sin, and you didn't know it. But when you pray, the Spirit of God will anoint your eyes and you'll start thinking every day certain things that you're doing that the world does. You're not thinking anything about it, but the Spirit of God says, no, 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 I don't like that. When you don't pray, you won't feel that. You seek God, you'll feel that. Remember the Bible warns us, do not move the the ancient boundaries. We moved them. We do what we want. So you have to seek God, start crying out God again to realize, oh my goodness, the boundaries I thought were over, they have to be over here now, over here. They were here all the time, just under all this rubbish and trash. Oh, there they are, as you seek God. And you thought they were over there. And you were wondering, why is God not like he, how come there's no, mm, we're way beyond the ancient boundaries that the Lord has placed Yes. Now listen, you've got to listen to what the Spirit of God does. I'm almost done. When the Spirit of truth comes, and He'll come to you, He will guide you into all truth. And I'm not just talking biblical truth. I'm talking about everything that surrounds a righteous life and serving God. Lord, my children, this school, they want to teach. What do I do, Lord? He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. This is new life, new living. He will bring me glory. Jesus is saying the Holy Ghost through your life as he speaks and communes with you, as you drive out uh, various things in your life and you go for God, he's going to show you more of me. It's perfect. You'll esteem and glorify Jesus more. Because the Spirit of God will come to you and start saying whatever your name is, you haven't been seeing. Look, you're not seeing Jesus the way he wants you to see him. I, I didn't know. That's what the Spirit of God does. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he has received from me. Let my people know they have forgotten about God, the Holy Ghost, that I've sent them. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Yes.
1 Peter 4.10. Listen. It simply says, God has given each of you a gift. A gift. And if you can look in that Greek word, that word gift is plural. You're sitting on it. Our world's dying. Our country's on life support. Our church is stumbling around, losing its power. And we are sitting on the gifts supplied to us. I don't care if you're 19, 18, 15, 13. There's no asterisk there. There's nothing that says it's not for kids. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Listen, use them well to serve one another. Gifts of hospitality, gifts of encouragement, gifts of love, gifts of kindness, gifts of faith, gifts of grace, gifts of counseling. Use them well for one another. We're sitting on our gifts. So here's our altar call as our band makes its way back. Listen. I want you to come to this altar. And I hope you do. I hope you will. And to start asking the Lord, Lord, reveal the gift or gifts that you have for me. Maybe we should back it up a little bit more and say, Lord, God, reveal about the Holy Ghost. I have years of thinking. I I got this clash going on in my head right now. Throw it in reverse. Say, Lord, please make it clear about God, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Almighty God. Make it clear to me, Lord, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And then say, God, how can I further the kingdom of God? What do you have in me that can further the kingdom of God? What gifts have you placed within me? What can I do, Lord? They're in there. Now, I understand you could not want bothered. We're like that. As people, we are. We are. Probably the first worst thing we got was those phones that tells you who's calling. Right? If it's like you don't want bothered, you look at it it's like, oh. On the other line, it could be some broken hearted. You don't want bothered. What gift or gifts are you sitting on? Let's stand, please. So I want you to come to this altar and start and with a sincere heart. Just ask the Lord, Lord, please. What gift or gifts have you placed in my spirit? Because we know that the spirit of God is in you. We prove it scripturally. God's in you. He's in you. He didn't come in empty, empty-handed, nothing for you to do. Oh, you just take it easy. Pastor Joe, do it all. He's about worn out. We got to run Pastor Jason now. You have gifts. Listen, listen real careful. I have been waiting for some of you for a long time. I have. 
Now that Jason is in the ministry, I tapped him on. And sometimes, man, this dude would be awesome if he just shifted gears. God has given each of you a gift or gifts from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now listen. Then, as you do that, this is for the benefit of the body and our country and the world. One of you. I mean, you can just rock everything. Then, I need you to. I need you to make time on Wednesday to lock arms and help us cry out to God to see what God says. To see, that's a good message, Pastor, but this is what I want you really to say. Oh, okay, okay, I'll do that. Help me. Help us. Lock arms. Scratch it off this time. As we lock arms and say, God, here we are. We are crying out corporately for you. Show us our gift. New Hope's gift, Lord. Show us what we are to be and do as time's running out. That's our altar call. I hope you're stirred to come. Yes, the world will bow down and say you Make a difference. Every man.